This is How Shall They Hear, a production of New Testament Christian Church of Renton, Washington. We hold services every Sunday morning at 1030 at 13470 Martin Luther King Jr. Way South, Renton, Washington, 98178. You can reach us by email at ntccrenton at gmail.com. Let's look at John chapter 9 this morning. John chapter 9, we'll start in verse 1. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. And I want to use James chapter 4 verse 14 as a text. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. Taken really, you know, John 9 and 4 and James 4 14, putting it together as our text. But I want to preach for a little while on a title message Time Sensitive Issues. Time Sensitive Issues. Mr. Larson, could you stand for me? Thank you, Lord, for this time to come together. Bless the preaching of your word now. Just keep it into our hearts that you said today was the day of salvation and right now is the time of repentance. God, we we thank you for your blessed son, for all that he did for us, for his death, his burial, and his resurrection, that we might have life. Bless Pastor now as he preaches your word in spirit and in truth. And open our hearts and our minds that we might receive what is spoken, what is preached that we might take it out into a lost and dying world, that we might too preach the word. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> time-sensitive issues. This term, time-sensitive issue, refers to something that requires immediate attention in order for a process to continue which will result in the completion of the task. Okay, Pastor, you've already lost us. Don't worry about it. Hold on. Hang on. In a place of business such as a company, many departments rely on each other, and they do this by making sure the tasks are done on time. For example, if the payroll department doesn't submit your paycheck via direct deposit to the banks on time, you will not get paid on that payday. There's a cutoff time that your company has to tell the bank or send that direct deposit to the bank in order for your check to be in your bank account on your payday at the time you expect it to be. If they go past banking hours, you're not going to get paid that day. This in turn causes workers to not work until they get paid. 
I'm not going to pay until that money's in my checking account. If workers don't work, the product or services cease to be made. A paycheck, your payroll, is a time-sensitive issue. You got to put it in on time. You got to get it taken care of. Outside of the work environment, household tasks and personal tasks also come with a deadline. I've got to feed the family by this time. I got to make it home by this time. I've got to pay this bill on this time. Jesus in our Bible reading gives us this analogy using this concept of time. He says that the work he was sent to do must be accomplished while it is day. Now, despite modern day technology and electricity, there are still a lot of things that we cannot do once the sun goes down. Now, Jesus wasn't saying that he cannot do the will of the Father at night, as in the literal nighttime when the sun goes down and the moon appears. He was talking about the time in which the Father gave him to complete or accomplish his will. That's what he's saying. Just like a farmer can only do the work that he's supposed to do during the daytime, because when night comes, he can't see, he can't farm anymore. Jesus was saying, I only have so much time to accomplish the will of the Father. And these X amount of years he's given me. And the same goes for us. We have been given a, been given a deadline at which we must accomplish the will of God in our lives. Now let's look at Jesus' time on earth. As I already kind of mentioned, Jesus had a deadline. He couldn't just take his time. And we see many times in the Bible where Jesus had to pass over to the other side. Where he says, I must needs to go through Samaria. And other indications that Jesus is on a strict schedule. He's like, I've got to go here. We've got to cross over to the other side. We cannot delay. God the Father has a timeline set up to accomplish his overall will. Even the birth of Jesus was set on a timer. The birth of Jesus was set on a timer. There was a strict time that Jesus had to have been born. And we can go into Daniel chapter 9, starting verse 24. And I won't get into too much detail, but uh, you guys should kind of know about this a little bit. And if you don't know about it, well, we can explain it at a different time. But Daniel chapter 9, verse 24, uh, the angel appears to Daniel and it explains to him kind of this timeline that God has set up to accomplish his will. He said, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Referring to Jesus right there. Now therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah the Prince shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks. The street shall be built again and the wall 
even in troublous times. Okay? And it ends there. Bringing that out to show that uh, God sent the angel to tell Daniel how long until the Messiah was going to appear. From this time to this time and from this time to this time. And then it, it goes a little bit further. Talks about, and then the Messiah will be cut off. Talking about the crucifixion of Jesus. Okay? And he says seven, he says seven weeks. And that's a prophetic week. And like I said, we're not going to get too involved into the actual uh, time length or whatever. But just letting you know that God had a timeline in place. He had a deadline. He was letting Daniel know. Galatians 4 and 4 says, But when the fullness of, time, of the time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law. That first part. But when the fullness of the time was come. When it was time. Once God had, you know, when, when it all came together. That's when Jesus was born. Everything God does, he does perfectly. He is an on-time God where Satan is disorderly. But praise God, God is orderly. Amen? He's an on-time God. But here, Jesus had a deadline. He had to accomplish the will of the Father. It was so intricate was this deadline. That Christ was crucified or to be crucified during the preparation time of the Passover. We remember what the Pharisees said. Said we've got to crucify him. And he's got to be dead. We've got to break their legs, uh, those on the cross. Before sundown. And the Pharisees were thinking they were doing that to observe the, uh, the Sabbath and the high holy day. But really, it all led up to all the symbolism and all the types of Christ that we saw in the Old Testament. About the killing of the Passover, the day of preparation, the Passover, the day of atonement. All of it came together. There's a reason Jesus was crucified on the day he was. And there's a reason why he rose on the day he rose. Amen. And there was a reason for the day of Pentecost also. All for a reason. God timed it out perfectly. To accomplish his will. Jesus had to accomplish many things. He had to fulfill many prophecies from the Old Testament. And set up the foundation for the dispensation of grace. Which we are living in now. A.K.A. the New Testament. All in those three something years of his ministry. And you can go further back to when he was born. Because that was many prophecies were fulfilled right then and there when he was born. Amen. Amen. But even in that short time. The 30 something, 33 years he was on earth. Or narrowed down to those three years of ministry. Jesus had to do a lot of things. A lot of things that totally changed the world, even to this day. Amen. We have deadlines to meet. And I'm not talking about the carnal stuff, like I mentioned a little bit earlier, about making it home on time or paying a bill. There are many spiritual things that we are tasked with accomplishing before we depart this world. There are things that we have to accomplish 
tasks that God has given us before we depart. And these tasks are given to us the day we gave our lives to Jesus. Amen. The day we gave our lives to Jesus, things changed. Things really changed. And you may not have had that born-again experience like other people say, where they got up and they felt the weight of the world lifted. Maybe it was a slow progression uh, before you began to realize certain things. But things changed when you gave your life to Christ. Now, we're not talking about salvation through works. We are talking about God using us as his workmen now. Amen. Jesus said, I must do the will of my Father. I must work while it is day. Because no, I can't work when it's night. He's saying, when I depart, I can't do the same work I was doing here on earth. It's your job now. It's your job now. Jesus has a new task. Amen. He's been promoted. Amen. He sits at the right hand of the Father. He is now the head of the church. He is the high priest. He is the intercessor. Amen. Yes. But there is even more to the task. There are things we need to accomplish in our walk with God. And time is not on our side. Time is not on our side. Ephesians 4 and 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now notice the will of God in these verses that I just read there in Ephesians. He says, the perfecting of the saints... The will of God is not just to save us from hell and just leave us to live normal lives. Like many religions do. We are to be used in the ages to come. First Corinthians 6 and 2. Do ye not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Know ye not that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? Now he's talking about unity and Christ uh, and unity of the church there. Paul was in 1 Corinthians. But he gives us an insight of what we're going to be doing in the ages to come. Judging the world. Judging angels. The natural line of people. We're going to be doing something. We're not just going to be floating around in heaven like these people picture. Heaven's going to be like sitting there eating these grapes. And we, we know Revelation. We know uh, what it says about the new kingdom and the new heaven and earth and different things. But we're going to be put to work. We're going to have some tasks put on us. We're going to have a job to do. But we have a job to do now, too. He says, you're going to judge angels. But I'm using that in conjunction with Ephesians for the perfecting of the saints. If we're going to be ready to take on those responsibilities of judging the world, being kings and priests before the Lord, we have to accomplish 
the perfecting process that God has established. And we do that by using the positions of, uh, or utilizing the pastors and the apostles and different things. And what God has put them in the church to edify and perfect us. Yes, even I have a pastor. I have people over authority. I have teachers. Their job is to get me perfected by teaching me the word of God. By guiding me to what God would have me do. Do his word. See, we're given two main goals as believers. If we are to sum up these goals. To become more like Christ. This is the perfecting. And help others to be more like Christ. Means we are the perfectors. The teachers, apostles, and evangelists. And we're also the outreach. Because people can't be perfected in Christ until we tell them about Christ. Amen. Until we go out and we reach them. Until we come and bring them to church. Those are our jobs. For the perfecting of the saints, that's our personal goal. Those are our personal tasks. For the work of the ministry, it then says... We're all in the ministry. And I've made this on many, said this on many occasions. We may not have a license. We may not necessarily have a title. But we're all called to be soul winners. We're all called to be faithful brothers and sisters. We can all do something for the body of Christ. There's a position for everybody in his body. So let me put it all in perspective. A football player practices and trains so he can maintain his stats. All right? They don't just keep the stats of the team. But you, if you watch a football game or a baseball game, and uh, let's say the baseball player, he comes up the bat, you look at the bottom of the screen, and they have all of his stats. How many hits he has, how many strikeouts he has for the season, his career highlights, and all that stuff. They keep track of his stats. Right, athlete, he trains for him to keep his value. And at the same time, he practices and, and trains so he can help the team win. Because if he helps himself, he helps the team. Amen? As Christians, the more we grow in God, personal, on the personal level, the more we could do for the church, the more we could do for his will, his ministry. Right? They, what do they say? If you watch your pennies, the dollars will take care of themselves. If you take care of yourself as a Christian, everything else will work itself out. Amen? As Christians, we've got to do the same. We have our own walk with God that must be maintained, it must grow. At the same time, we work as a team to go and let that light shine. That light won't shine as a team if one bulb is out. If one candle is not lit. We all got to be in one accord. And we are running out of time. We are running out of time. 
Second Peter 3 and 18 says, But grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. He says, grow. Your growth in God depends on you. Now, God does have a plan for your growth. He has a plan for your growth. No, I did not just contradict myself when I said that. Hold on, you just said it depends on me how I grow in God, but God has a plan. Should I just not follow God's plan and go based on my own plan? That's not what I'm saying. The more you go to church, the more you read your Bible, the more you pray, the more God will reveal his will in your life. But it depends on how much you want it. How much you want to grow. And God wants you to grow really as quick as possible. He will begin to reveal things that he wants you to get rid of. Like sin, certain sin. Now we don't stand at the door of the church with a list of do's and don'ts for everybody who comes in and becomes a Christian. People get off the altar and be like, okay, now that you've uh, given your life to Christ, this is how you're supposed to do the following. Don't do this, don't do that, do this, do that. We don't do that right off the bat, no. And that's God's growing program right there. God is going to reveal to them, step by step, the path that he wants everyone to take. He may deliver somebody right then and there from a particular addiction. But he may not deliver somebody else. Because it's all according to God's plan for that particular person. However, once it's preached, once it's taught, through the Holy Ghost, we either do the preacher or you're reading it, you are now responsible for it. You can't say, you know, the preacher just had a great sermon on uh, avoiding this particular sin, but I'm still a baby Christian. I I'm kind of exempt from that. No. When you sit in that seat and that comes over the pulpit, you are responsible for it. And I am responsible for it then. You can't say, oh, I'm a baby Christian. I don't have to do all these things. That's not true. That's not true. You don't stand at this list with uh, at the door with a list. But we do not have time to hold on to sin either. Amen. We don't have time to hold on to sin. And you, you know, it'd be nice, you know, as if uh, someone who's just beginning to be a Christian to come and say, "What do I need to get rid of in my life?" And you don't hear that. And I don't think any of us did that. I don't think any of us got done at that first time we got saved or that time we got off the altar or wherever we prayed or whatever the case was and say, all right, pastor, tell me everything that I'm doing wrong in my life. I don't think, we, I don't think any of us did that. It took a while, didn't it? It took a while. And then when it came over the pulpit, he said, I'm not getting rid of that. No, no. Didn't we not fight against those things? But eventually the Holy Ghost softened our hearts. To when we did give up those things. That's God's growth pro uh, program. The excuse I'm a baby Christian does not apply once God has shined the light on that darkness. Yes, sir. 
It doesn't. Now we're accountable for it. And there's a deadline we got to meet. Once God reveals it, we've got to address it. We've got to address it. God has a different work for all of us. And he needs us to be in place, ready to go when he calls. You know, the only reason God's will was done on the cross was because Jesus was obedient and he met the deadlines. Jesus could have took the devil up on his offers there in the wilderness. And that would have just destroyed everything that God had worked from the garden up. Jesus responded. Jesus fulfilled the will of the Father. Amen. God's will, I'm not saying it, it, it can be stopped, okay? But it's really up to us to make sure that will is accomplished. God wants you to make it to heaven. It's on you to make it to heaven. Amen? Amen. He's given you all the tools. He's given you all the resources. He's given you everything. He's given you the Holy Ghost. He's put his blood on your heart. You're the one who's going to decide whether you turn around and walk away from it. That person whom you've been waiting to tell about Jesus may be out of time by the time you get around to it. And I've made that error. There have been people I should have followed up with. That didn't make it through until the next time I went to go see them. I could have pushed harder. I could have prayed harder for the person. Could have done more. The person was out of time. Your friends, your family, your co-workers, your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ all depend on you to meet the deadlines and accomplish the will of God in your life. We all depend on it. If there's something that God has been dealing with your heart, there's good things and there's bad things. It's time to address it. It's time to act on it. Because it affects everybody. It affects everybody. We are almost out of time. When God calls us home, we want to be found in the condition he wants us to be in. We must act on what God has laid on our hearts to do. We cannot wait. And I remember, you know, I'm going to go down a little bit of a rabbit trail here. We still have a few minutes, praise God. They wanted me to deploy with them, my last unit in the Army. They offered me 500 extra dollars. For every month I went past my contract. So not only was I getting, would get paid to deploy, but they were going to give me 500 extra dollars on top of my paycheck to deploy for a year. That's a good chunk of change. And I thought to myself, you know, that would help me out more 
because then I can just pay for Bible school up front. I can just pay it all, not have to worry about it, and I'll have more travel money and all this stuff. But I said no. God wants me to go to Bible college now. He wants me to go now. And I remember talking to the pastor about it. And I, I, I told him, I was like, you know, this is when God has laid it on my heart. He's like, brother, you got to go when you got to go. Because I was having, well, maybe I should stay back a little bit. Maybe I should do this. But those, that was just Satan trying to derail me from the will of God. I had to stay on task. I had a deadline to meet. And this is in the message, but this kind of bothered me this morning. And believe me, sir, I was trying my best to pay attention to you and listen to you. And uh, But as we were getting out of the car, I saw this gentleman kind of run across from the apartment complex into here. And uh, he was in here talking to the pastor before. You guys know who it is. So I'm not going to give names or anything. And then they went out to the lobby while we're setting up. And I heard kind of the main reason why he came here. He was having some sort of issues with his girlfriend or something like that. And he came to that gentleman, the minister here, to get some sort of advice on it. And then I just heard that gentleman in there. And, you know, I appreciate him. He's been so kind to us. And he's given us offerings before. And he's had service with us. So I'm not saying, I'm trying not to say anything bad about him. But I found fault with him. Because he was giving that man advice. But that man's need wasn't a relationship need. He was telling him, it was like, you know, you, you just got to let God give you the wife that he wants you to have and stuff. And I'm thinking to myself, here's this man. He's going through something in his life. Why aren't you telling him about Jesus? He's clearly not saved this guy. He just kind of wants somebody to give him a second opinion of what he already wants to do. But how often do you have somebody come running into your church to talk to the pastor and you're not going to ask them, are you even born again, sir? That's your problem is you're not even born again. It's not because you have some crazy girlfriend or wife. It's you're not saved. He could have led that man in a prayer of salvation. That man might be out of time. And that, that bothered me. Because sometimes I'd be like, Lord, I wish someone would just come up and, and, and ask for some you know, advice, a sinner, so I could lead them to salvation. Because that's what that man needed. He didn't need relationship advice. He needed Jesus. Then he was telling some other stuff that just wasn't even biblical. He says, the Bible doesn't say you can't drink alcohol. I'm like, sir, you're supposed to be a preacher. Yes, it does. You do not drink alcohol. It's very simple. It's a whole big Bible study you can do on that. But we're out of time. We can't play games. We can't play games in our own lives. We can't play games with the lives of other people either.
We want to be in the condition that God wants us to be when he comes back. We must act on what God has laid on our hearts to do. Now you mentioned something before, Sarah, sir, about praying about it. But maybe this, and, and when you said that, I was like, oh, this is probably in this message. <laughs> if it's on your heart, go for it. Trust in the Lord. Go for it. It all begins with our personal walk with God. And blessings come from obedience. And there's nothing to fear about fulfilling the will of God. He is the author and finisher of our faith. Amen. Amen. He is the author and finisher. We got to remember, he is the finisher. Not just start us off on the path and leave us alone. He's going to be there all the way until the very end. He's going to be there. All we have to do is stay faithful. Accomplish his will. And say, yes, Lord. I'll get rid of that sin. I'm not going to fight it anymore. I'll go ahead and just do what you've laid on my heart, God. I can't fight it anymore. As we bow our heads and close our eyes in reverence to him. We all have some time sensitive issues going on right now in our lives. Because our growth in God is going to go all the way until we see him face to face. But like they have that saying, your attitude determines your altitude. We can't wait anymore. God's done waiting for us to act. He is long-suffering, yes. He is merciful. But we've got a deadline to meet. And the quicker we meet that deadline the more of the blessing we get to enjoy from it. Thinking about those people who get saved later on in life, in their 70s and 80s. Praise God that they got saved. Amen. I'm not going to cast stone at that. Because we have all eternity once we're saved. Amen. But I'm thinking about how many of those wasted years they had how much trial and tribulation they could have avoided if they would have given their lives earlier to him how much more fellowship they could have enjoyed how many more sermons could have they could have sat through that could have absolutely lifted them out of the pit of despair how many more uh, moves of God they could have experienced while here on earth that's what God wants. He doesn't want us to wait anymore. He's ready to pour out a blessing. He just needs you to get rid of some of the roadblocks. He needs you to meet those deadlines and solve those issues of the heart now. Will you go ahead and meet that deadline today? Will you go ahead and accomplish the will that he has laid in your heart? 
Lord, I've preached what you've laid on my heart. I've accomplished your will by preaching this message, Lord God. And Lord, I know there's many things that you need me to do. There's many issues that I need to resolve. And I can't speak for anybody else, Lord. That's between you and them. But Lord, I want to be better. I don't want to procrastinate in the faith anymore, Lord God. I want to meet the deadlines. I want to accomplish your will. Help me to do that more, Lord God. Help me today to do those things. To check off that list. And I thank you, Lord. Let us find a place to pray this morning. God bless you.